I'm speaking about the fruit of the Spirit this morning, the fruit of the Spirit, Spirit, and this is part three. Uh, We've had two parts before this. I really hope you did listen to them. If you didn't, you can go to our website, chooselifechurch.com, and you can listen to the MP3, the audio of the sermon free of charge. Please turn so long to Galatians chapter five. Now, is there anybody here that's hungry for the word of the Lord this morning, hungry to grow? Because I believe that if we are hungry, that God reveals his word to us in a greater way. So it turns along to Galatians 5, verse 22. We'll get to reading it in a moment's time. So we have been taking our time to carefully consider each of the fruit of the Spirit. We have not rushed, and it has been so good to meditate on the loveliness of this passage. It's been so good to look at fruit one by one by one, one at a time, and appreciate. I've often heard sermons on the fruit of the Spirit where all nine fruit are covered in one go, and I just felt, I don't want to do that. I want to spend time on each one that we can look at them in a little bit of a deeper way and that they can really uh, begin to grow in our hearts in a new way. So in total, there are nine fruits of the Spirit or fruit of the Spirit. In part one, we looked at the first three, love, joy, and peace. Then last time, we looked at the middle three, those being patience or long-suffering, as some translations say, but patience, kindness, and goodness. And today we will look at the final three, and those are faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Would you say those three with me? Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you wanna learn a bit more about what the Bible has to say about those three things, I believe you're in the right place today. And let's look at Galatians 5, verse 22 to 26. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and here are our three for today, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, And against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's, that's you and me, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And we thank the Lord for his word, don't we? The word of the Lord is beautiful. It should be like eating honey. I like eating honey. Maybe you do too. Now, if you are listening to this today and you don't yet have an abundance of fruit, the fruit of the Spirit in your life, I want to say to you, please don't be discouraged. Remember, fruit takes time to grow. (laughs) It doesn't just appear overnight It takes time to grow, and it needs to be cultivated and fertilized. Now, imagine some pomegranates. Pomegranates seem to be considered such a super fruit these days. They're really yummy. 
And uh, pomegranates, that sounds like a real biblical fruit, doesn't it? So pomegranates, imagine pomegranates growing on a tree. They start out with a little blossom and then, and then they go into, I don't know, some sort of little small piece of the fruit and, and, and then it begins to grow and develop. But it takes time. It takes time to grow and eventually grows fuller and fuller and bigger and it becomes, I guess, plump and delicious, if you wanna call it that. And later on, you get to pick the fruit and you enjoy the fruit. And so I wanna just remind you that remember, fruit takes time to grow. But let me also say this, if you truly love Jesus, fruit is a coming. (laughs) No doubt about it. If you really love Jesus, if he's really inside of you, your life does not stay the same. Because of who is inside of you, he begins to affect you, and next thing, fruit begins to come out of your life because you're a child of God. So there are three points I'd like to share with you. Each one is one of these last three fruit. Number one, the Holy Spirit produces the fruit of faithfulness within us. Don't you love that? The Holy Spirit, he is the main one in all of this. The Holy Spirit is producing things in your life. He is producing the fruit of faithfulness within us. It says in Galatians 5 verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. The King James Version renders faithfulness as faith. The message refers to loyal commitments. The contemporary English version talks about this. It says, God's spirit makes us faithful. However, most translations would use the word faithfulness. Would you say that word? Faithfulness. One more time, faithfulness. So what is faithfulness? It's really quite simple. Faithfulness is fidelity, reliability, and trustworthiness. Let me say that one more time. Faithfulness is fidelity, reliability, and trustworthiness. And as I looked at this and studied in preparation for today, I also discovered that there's a tremendous practicalness about faithfulness, if I can put it that way. Adam Clark, one of the great theologians, says the following. Faithfulness is punctuality in performing promises. Carefulness in preserving what is committed to our trust, in restoring it to its proper owner, in transacting the business confided to us, neither betraying the secret of a friend, nor disappointing the confidence of our employer. Quite interesting. And so essentially, This aspect of faithfulness is about being trustworthy in our words and in our actions. That people know that believers, they are trustworthy people. Now, in addition, the fruit of faithfulness should not exclude the aspect of faith in God or trusting God. However, it doesn't seem to be the main emphasis in this passage. But... If I was to kind of put this into a nutshell, I would say quite crucially the following, that when we talk about faithfulness as the fruit of the Spirit, we are actually talking about us being faithful to God. 
and us being faithful in relationships to people around about us. And because God is so faithful to us, he says, I want you to also be faithful to me. Let there be faithfulness in your life in terms of your relationship with me. And also, I transform you and then there is faithfulness in the way that you deal with people around about us, around about you. And it, what's actually happening, you and I are becoming more like Jesus. We're looking more like Jesus because he's faithful. And then this faithfulness is in our relationship with him and in our relationships with other. But faithfulness to God comes first and thereafter faithfulness to others. A trustworthy person is somebody that can be counted on uh, to keep their word. They can be counted on to do what is right. The, fruitful, uh, the fruit of faithfulness does include things like integrity, loyalty, honesty, and sincerity. And I wanna ask you this question today. I wanna ask you, are you a person that can be counted on? Are you a person who is faithful to keep the commitments that you have made? Are you a faithful person? Because I wanna tell you, as I look at the word of God, he calls for faithfulness in his children because it represents him. I think of Joshua. Joshua, he was chosen to lead the Israelites into the promised land. Why? Because he was a faithful and a trustworthy person. And one example of his faithfulness is when he kept to his word not to kill the Gibeonites. And actually, they were a wicked bunch of people. They were actually the enemy, but they had, been, they had tricked uh, uh, Joshua and the guys into making peace with them. And so Joshua said, okay, well, we will be at peace with you. And so as a result, when they should have actually been killed and slaughtered, Joshua, even to his own pain, he kept his word. That's an example of faithfulness. I think of Daniel. Laws came into being that said, Daniel, you better stop praying, otherwise you're gonna be thrown into jail. And Daniel just made this very clear. He said, I have to be faithful to my God. How can I not be praying and honoring God? And so he was faithful to God no matter what. That is faithfulness, an example of faithfulness. Now, earlier in Galatians 5, Paul refers to the works of the flesh. It's interesting that these works include the opposite of faithfulness. They include unfaithfulness. They include things like adultery. Adultery is unfaithfulness to your spouse. These works also include fornication. Do you know that fornication is unfaithfulness to your future spouse? Another work of the flesh that Paul refers to is idolatry. Idolatry is unfaithfulness to God. And God is saying through this passage that unfaithfulness is not what we are as children of God. Those are the works of the flesh. Those are the works of the old nature. But when you come into Christ Jesus and you are filled with the Spirit, fruit begins to come out and you are a faithful person because we've been delivered from our sinful nature. I believe that Christians should demonstrate the fruit of faithfulness in some of the following areas. May I give you a few areas? Faithfulness in our marriage covenant. This 
matters to God. It matters to one another. It matters to your children. It matters to your family. When you are unfaithful to your spouse, it brings destruction. It clothes you with violence. And we're not that kind of people, child of God, because we have this fruit growing in us called faithfulness. Faithfulness as Christians should include keeping our word. Do you know that long time ago, a person's word was their bond? You could shake hands with a person and it was better than a signed written contract. (laughs) Surely times have changed, but God's people are different to the world because we are faithful. I believe that we should demonstrate faithfulness in our business dealings. I believe that we should demonstrate faithfulness in terms of being faithful to our local church, our local congregation, being faithful to serving your pastor, to serving the vision of this house and whatever church you may be in. To me, it's so sad when somebody's in a church for 18 months and then they smell some sort of thing, oh, they're off to the next church and then they're there for a year and then they're off to the next church and they just hop from one to the next. I wanna tell you, God places you into families. That's what the Bible says. God puts the lonely into families. He wants you to catch the vision of the house and begin to serve and see what God has planned and purposed, realized. And so I believe when we talk the fruit of the faithfulness, It even is about faithfulness to your local congregation, faithfulness to your friends, faithfulness to your boss. The Bible says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That's 1 Corinthians 4 verse 2. I also believe that we should, because of the fruit of faithfulness, we should be faithful to our God-given calling. God birthed you, he brought you about because there's a calling to be fulfilled. And we should be faithful, listen to this, in our loyalty to God. Job was the most amazing example. And Job said this, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That is faithfulness personified. It says in Proverbs 28 verse 20, A faithful person will be richly blessed. I have to tell you that there are rewards for this fruit of faithfulness growing in your life. And do you realize, child of God, that the fruit of faithfulness is actually actively growing in your life right now? You say, how is that possible? I don't see enough of it. Well, let me tell you, the moment you became grafted into Christ, his life began to flow into you. And so the life of God and the fruit of the Spirit is flowing out of you. And if you don't even realize it, I wanna tell you, the fruit of faithfulness is growing more and more in your life. Just imagine uh, a big, juicy apple. Do any of you like apples? And, And when I'm talking apples, I'm not talking toffee apples, all right? I'm talking apple, apple. And I'm not talking iPhones and stuff like that. But maybe you like a a golden delicious apple or... uh, what do they call that, the granny one? Great, granny Smith apple, uh, or pink lady. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say pink lady in church, but it's an apple, all right? But these apples, how are they produced? How do they grow? It is by the branch staying connected to the tree, and then fruit begins to appear. And it's so wonderful that 
There there doesn't have to be the striving and straining to push out fruit. It just happens because of who you're connected to. And that reminds me, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. And so I wanna challenge you, child of God, let your faithfulness flourish like never before. And one day, you will hear the Lord saying, well done, good and faithful servant. On to point number two, this is a shorter one. Number two, the Holy Spirit produces the fruit of gentleness within us. Please say that with me. The Holy Spirit produces the fruit of gentleness within us. And it says in verse 23 of Galatians 5, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. Can I ask you, would you like more gentleness in your life? What is gentleness? It is meekness that is strength under control. Gentleness is not forcing your own way. Gentleness is sensitive behavior, and it does include humility. You know, oftentimes a a person that is going through struggles will only come to restoration if they are treated and dealt with with gentleness. Have you ever thought of that? Kind of reminds me of God says, well, it's, it's my kindness that leads you to repentance. Galatians 6 verse one says the following. It says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. How are we gonna restore people in a spirit of gentleness? You can't be in an environment which is, you know, some churches, they're like militaristic. I'm not sure too much restoration is gonna take place there because we all need gentleness to be restored from some of the deep hurts that we've experienced in life. And let me say, gentleness does not mean that we go soft on sin, not at all, but it just means the way in which we handle the person is in a spirit of gentleness. Philippians 4, verse 5, you would probably know this one well. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Think about that. God is instructing you that gentleness is a thing in your life that you want to see more of. Let it be evident to all. Let your gentleness be evident to all. I think of our pastors. We've got a team of about, I think it's about nine pastors now, and and how many people come in for prayer and ministry and counseling and help. And you know, the pastors are offering, often ministering with such sensitivity and they're ministering with such gentleness. It's no wonder people's lives get restored because gentleness is so important and gentleness reveals the character of God. Let me say this, Jesus, gives us a beautiful picture of gentleness. Listen to this. Matthew 21 verse five in the NIV says, see, your king comes to you, gentle, riding on a donkey. I kind of thought to myself, well, Lord, why did you put in that word gentle? Because you know, your king comes to you, that sounds pretty powerful. And then it goes to 
gentle, <laughs> gentle, riding on a donkey. Jesus says, come and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful that Jesus is gentle? And so why the word gentle? Because it's important, because it's part of God's character. And now, folks, God wants to release his gentleness in your life. That fruit of gentleness is growing and growing and growing. And if we will just allow him, your life can be filled with gentleness. Although some people might look at you right now and say that you're probably the least gentle person that they know. I wanna tell you, if you will clothe yourself with gentleness and allow God to bring the fruit about in your life, you will be amazed at how the hardest person can become gentle, can become gentle and meek, which is not weakness, but it is strength under control. Are you getting anything this morning? Anybody getting anything? Amen. On to the last point, point number three. The Holy Spirit produces the fruit of self-control within us. Please say self-control. One more time, self-control. So, here we get to fruit number nine. And I would like to say that this is last but not least. One of the great theologians says that it starts off with love and it ends off with self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. And he suggested maybe these are two bookends of some important things that are held together and that self-control must not be treated as something unimportant. Now, in terms of self-control, many people think that willpower is all that is needed to be strong in life and live victoriously. But you know what? That is insufficient. We need Holy Spirit power. We need Holy Spirit fruit in order to live a self-controlled life. And the Holy Spirit, he produces self-control in us. Wow. People five years ago looking at you now, I bet if you're truly a spiritful believer, they will say there's more self-control in your life. It says in Galatians 5 verse 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. What is self-control? It is the ability to control your emotions, impulses, or desires. It involves temperance. It involves moderation and restraint. And it literally refers to holding yourself back uh, or holding yourself in. Because in your fleshly nature, you just want to totally indulge in something, in something which is an ungodly desire and God says, no, 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 that's not how my children live. My children live with moderation. My children live with restraint and temperance. The ability to control your emotions, impulses, and desires. Because let me tell you, as children of God, you and I, we are called to live disciplined lives. Lives where we're not all over the place but we are called to show moderation and self-governance. And let me tell you, I have to bring in one thing here because as I was studying and preparing to share this word, I did discover that biblical self-control does also have a specific emphasis on resisting sexual temptation. It's definitely there in the word of God. Maybe you're listening to me right now and you are so, so, so struggling in your life in terms of this. 
I wanna tell you, you are not alone. You do not need to be overcome by those desires. But I wanna tell you, if you will give your life to Jesus and be filled with the Holy Spirit, he will help you begin to rule over those desires instead of those desires ruling over you. And so part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. You see, the works of the flesh mentioned earlier include uh, certain sexual lusts like lasciviousness, orgies, pornography, etc. But the Holy Spirit can empower us with the fruit of self-control. And if you will begin to meditate on this reality, I believe you will see greater and greater victory in your life. But I wanna say, realize this. For a young person, a young couple that's listening to me today, and you think, how is it possible that we can remain pure? I can tell you, it is by the power of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of self-control, which God is producing in your life. But will you cooperate with God? Because you also need to exercise your own will and say no to sexual lust, but yes to God. Let me say this. Maybe self-control is not something that you've really thought of much in your life. And it's never occurred to you that self-control could actually become a, a, a strength in your life, a key characteristic in your life. And I wanna say it can. Don't look down on yourself. Look at who you are in Christ and who he makes you to be and the power of God that flows through you and the fruit that grows within you. And so think again because God is determined to see this fruit develop in your life. Proverbs 25, verse 28 says the following. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Isn't that quite something? A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. I wanna say to you that we can grow our fruit in this area. Let me give you some quick everyday examples of being self-controlled. Self-controlled means choosing not to lose your temper. Self-control means not overspending. Self-control means changing the channel when something unclean comes on. Self-control means holding back your opinion when required. Self-control means moderation in regard to drinking. Self-control means moderation in terms of eating. Now, I must confess, I have a weakness when it comes to chocolate. I don't know if there's anybody that has the same weakness with me. No, I'm surrounded by angels here. This is incredible. But you know what? I can work on this. And by God's grace, the Lord can help me because God is concerned about every area of your life. Listen to this one last scripture. It, and this is from Proverbs 16, verse 32. It says, it is better to win control over yourself than over whole cities. That's the wisdom from Proverbs. And I wanna say to you, if you've never begun to rule over yourself and have self-control, I wanna tell you, God can help you in this area. And so as I draw close to a close, it's been wonderful to talk about the fruit of the Spirit over these last three times. But I just wanna say, if you want more of the fruit of the Spirit in your life, there are two main things. How do you produce more fruit? By relational closeness with God. 
that closeness, and then the fruit begins to come out. And also by clothing yourself with good fruit, as the Bible says. I trust you've been blessed by this message today. I wanna thank you for being with us, and we say God bless you, bear good fruit in Jesus' name.